Global supply chain and logistics industry leaders gather, connect, and exchange ideas at IHS Market's annual TPM conference organized by the JOC. In our new podcast series, Beyond TPM, we keep those conversations going, taking a deep dive into critical, rapidly evolving topics and the insights uncovered this year at TPM 21. I'm Alessandra Barrett, the JOC's Senior Editor for Special Projects. Today I'm speaking with Bob Andrews, Centerpoint Properties Senior Vice President for Asset Management on the West Coast. Thanks for joining me today, Bob. It's great having you here. Good to be here. Centerpoint is a leader in logistics, infrastructure, and transportation-advantaged real estate, and a familiar name to many of our listeners and JOC readers. The company has identified key coastal and intermodal markets within them, methodically and strategically developing, acquiring, and managing properties, bringing its total portfolio to 270 properties and 64 million square feet. So to start us off, can you tell us a bit about your role within the company and the West Coast strategy? I currently oversee the leasing and management of 95 properties. These properties total more than 900 acres, and it's more than 16 million square feet of warehouse space in Los Angeles, Northern California, and the Seattle markets. In the past five years, Centerpoint has invested more than $2 billion in the West region, and we currently have a number of development projects in progress in California. We just recently completed a state-of-the-art warehouse at the Port of Oakland called Centerpoint Landing at Oakland Seaport. And the West region has been instrumental in Centerpoint's success and strategic growth over the past decade. When Centerpoint is identifying new areas of investment, whether it's an emerging sub-market or markets that you're quite familiar with, what factors are you looking for? What we're looking for in not so much in emerging markets to watch, but emerging changes within our specific targeted markets. And in our infill markets, we've always been looking for what we call logistically advantaged properties. And in the port markets, that really consists of trailer parking, dock high doors, and the ability to have high throughput from the ports. So when we look at assets, in those three markets, we're really looking for properties that we can either reposition by removing square footage, we can uh, reclaim more yard and create more trailer parking, and then certainly add docks. But um, our strategy is, is fairly simple. We, for instance, in Tacoma, we identified uh, a need for trailer parking and trailer yards about four years ago. And so we have assembled multiple properties now that we think um, really complement the port complex in Tacoma and has really been uh, a benefit to that market. We also believe that getting standalone trailer uh, trailer yards, they also complement our existing footprint, some of our existing uh, traditional buildings. So we always like to have some connectivity to the investments that we are making in certain markets. How has overall market interest changed in the last two years? Are, your, are you seeing your users changing? Um, what micro trends are you seeing within user interest? I would say the biggest change we've seen in the last two years is uh, flight to quality. And again, flight to quality is class A product. Uh, class A product is generally limited in your infill markets and it's the outlying markets for instance, in Southern California, it'd be the Inland Empire West, Inland Empire East. And when you go to Oakland, it's the Central Valley of Tracy, Lathrop, and Manteca, all the way out to Stockton and Sacramento. 
And then when you go up to the Seattle market, south of Kent Valley and south of Tacoma, the markets of Lacey and DuPont and Fredrickson are getting that class A product where you see larger requirements going to the uh, flight quality where you get the modern features and you just don't find in the infill. So overall that market uh, interest has dictated those kinds of product being built. And um, so the users we're seeing a lot of retail users. So as part of their supply chain and moving product more onto the e-commerce platforms, you're just seeing those buildings where two and three and 400 square foot buildings now going between 500 and a million square feet. So as you see more product shift to warehouses from uh, bricks and mortar retail, that's what you're seeing in these outlying markets is where the only place you can find the land to build such facilities. For those not familiar with the term in context of real estate, what do the flight to quality markers look like at the moment? Yeah, um, flight to quality is where you have modern warehouses that have amenities that are necessary for high throughput e-commerce. And that consists of, you know, a lot of truck doors, ratio, higher ratio truck doors. You'll have uh, higher clear heights, clear heights of 30 sure. foot clear to 36 foot clear just two to five years ago or now. 40 foot clear is the uh, new standard at a certain size range and buildings are being built to 50 foot clear now on a spec basis across the country. So you'll continue to see the modern warehouse be refined and really refined just to support that e-commerce business, high efficiency and high throughput. This transition has sped up, I'm sure, as with so much evolution of everything over the last two years. What's your take on how this has played out and what's ahead? I think in the last two years, there's been a huge change. And I think that um, everyone is trying to build the next best product for the next, I don't know, next cycle or next year right. or long term. And I'm not sure anyone knows exactly what it's going to be, but it's definitely going to be a lie towards whatever technology is going to be sort of integrated into the supply chain, whether it's automated trucks, automated uh, forklifts, automated yard uh, mules, robotics inside the building, all that stuff will be incorporated into the next generation. And it, you're starting to see it now with uh, technology, but the most, the biggest change will be whatever technologies adopted and integrated into the supply chain will have to come into the warehouses. And so we can build the best boxes and the most efficient boxes, but they will be integrated with some sort of technology in the future. So how do you future-proof? when you're building. When it comes to the tech needed, are you watching certain developments, making predictions on what's going to be adopted? How do you build to the demand of the future? Yeah, we're building uh, state-of-the-art buildings that we think reflect the current demand and hopefully have specifications that are built in to accommodate future technology. But I think until it's adopted and it's really clearly understood, uh, you're building you're building spec product and you're building to the demand of today. You have a 20 year history in the West Coast market. What are your thoughts on what we're seeing there with port volumes and the low vacancy rate? What are your predictions on how that's going to impact pricing? Uh, in Southern California, you're obviously seeing record vacancy rates. It's never been this low and there's no sign that that's gonna change in the near future. Right now it's sub 1% in all product types. We just don't have the land. We just don't have a pipeline of development that's gonna make that move. And uh, there's different sort of formulas on how much more million square feet you're gonna need for so much percentage increase in e-commerce sales. But 
it's it's a tremendous amount of square footage that just cannot be accommodated in the, the current infill market. So again, you'll continue to see any available land that you can develop on, which will be further out from the infill markets is gonna continually have high uh, demand and from investors and from developers. And we'll continue to see more of that product built to try to keep up with the demand. But right now, when you look at the map, there's just no way we can keep up with it including the markets of uh, East Bay, Oakland, out through the Central Valley, and then also into the uh, Seattle market that is really land constraint, a lot of barrier to entry to, uh, barriers to entry for development. And so that'll continue to move south. But uh, you know, you're also pushed up against, you know, which all creates you know, more pressure on the vacancy is that we have um, so many regulations we have so many uh, pressures on cost for construction, labor. So just as you're seeing the supply chain being disrupted during the uh, last 18 months with COVID, that also you're seeing that constraint in development and getting product to market. And then there's a whole other layer of governmental approvals in certain markets. It just delays, 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 and adds costs. So the vacancy rates are probably not going to move. Uh, Demand will definitely get, uh, will definitely increase more than supply. And ultimately the pressure will be on pricing. You'll see higher prices because of higher costs. And in the last six months, we've seen the largest increase in warehouse rents in the Southern California market that we've ever seen in the history of this market. And there's probably no ending in the near year to year, to one to two years. We'll probably won't see much of a change if anything, price will continue to creep up. What about interest in renovations and repurposing? When, when there's no space to build out, what about building up or overhauling tech within an existing space to modernize and do more with that existing footprint? What interest are you seeing in that? Well, you'll, you'll see the actual users, the tenants, they'll be trying to figure out how to use their space as efficiently as possible. So that will, you know, that's always a, a challenge for tenants but what you'll see is and it happens all the time where in the last five to ten years as infill has become more important to uh users that need to be close to ports you know developers and investors have been buying sites and just repurposing them and at center point that's been a mainstay of our, our focus where we take buildings and convert them into better logistic facilities but we want to be near the port and so with that you know everyone else is doing the same thing I mean, a question that always gets batted around is will Los Angeles see multi-story? And yeah, there's some that are being planned. Um, I think land price has to get to a certain point where it makes sense to do that. And right now, uh, not only have rental rates gone up, but land prices have just accelerated to historical highs. So maybe there's a point here where it does make sense to have multi-story. Uh, but you will see conversion of older sites and that new sites will be built and they'll charge high rents, but there are tenants that have to be near the port. So they don't have the option of going to another market or going to another uh, port of injury. So that's what you're going to see. You mentioned Seattle. I just want to turn our conversation for a moment to Centerpoint Investments out there and in Oakland as well. Can you tell us a bit about that piece of the company's investment strategy? We've been a big investor in both Seattle and the Oakland markets, uh, just for the same fact that we're a, a big investor in Southern California. We just see uh, two things in both of those markets. Again, there's a 
uh, a barrier to entry for new development. So we always know that when you get into those markets that you have pricing power where you know that rents are gonna over the long term increase. And so we believe if we get the right product in those markets and uh, build in the kind of logistic features that we think are valuable to that tenant demand, we're always gonna have uh, valuable assets that we can move rent. So we like the Kent Valley, we like South Seattle and we love Tacoma. Tacoma has been experiencing a huge uh, increase in port traffic. Uh, some of that has been diverted from Long Beach, Los Angeles. And a lot of that stuff will end up being permanent uh, cargo flows through those two ports. So we're very bullish on Seattle. And same with Oakland, uh, again, limited land, limited industrial, and in the infill, it's, you know, it's gonna be difficult to uh, continue to develop in some of those cities. So we like to buy existing product. We like to refurbish it and repurpose it for logistical uses. And um, I just know that with uh, our new spec building in the Port of Oakland, you know, over 400,000 square foot building. We've just finished construction there and we're seeing a tremendous amount of interest in uh, BCOs looking to take advantage of on-dock uh, warehousing. And so um, we're very confident in that building and all the, the rest of the footprint we have from Richmond down to Hayward and out to the Manteca market. So uh, again, a lot of demand and uh, we feel like pricing will continue to grow there. And um, as long as you have the right product in those markets. To close, we are certainly in the middle of a disruptive moment, but the dust is settling on a new normal, so to speak. Industrial real estate has definitely benefited from the disruption and significant e-commerce shifts. What do you see ahead? I don't know if we'll ever get back to a traditional market. I think the market has really been, has changed, really been impacted. And when you look at the demand and the kind of users we have, um, you know, everyone talks about buffer stock or safety stock or onshoring, all that stuff's gonna take place and it's already being built in a supply chain. So you have two factors that uh, I don't think will ever get us back to a traditional market. And those two factors are the increase in e-commerce, which we all know about, and that requirement for more industrial space. And then on top of that, you have companies that wanna make sure they don't have shortages and they do have that buffer safety stock. So it all bodes well for more industrial real estate to be leased. And so I think you're, I think the main thing you're gonna find is it's gonna be technology that is going to be the biggest changes in our traditional markets. And that technology is probably an answer to labor. It's an answer to efficiencies, an answer to costs. But uh, I just don't see thing, I just don't see us going back to a traditional market. And so, um, you know, and the, the other part of the story is the, the institutional sponsorship of in the whole industrial market that continues to have capital inflows, that capital inflows will create, you know, uh, bigger ownerships and bigger efficiencies. And so you'll just see it be a, it continue to be a very sought after investment class with more capital going in. And uh, ultimately I think it will, you know, continue to grow as we can find land to grow the footprint, but demand will continue to outpace supply well into the next couple of years. Great. Well, thanks so much, Bob. Thanks for your time. Sure. Beyond TPM is a production of the JOC, part of the Maritime and Trade Division of IHS Market. For more news, analysis, and business intelligence for all things shipping and logistics, 
Visit JOC.com and follow us on social media.